This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hello. <laughs> Hello. This is Scott Wells for the Magic Word Podcast.com. Yes, well, we have reached that final mile, not final milestone. My goodness, we reached that momentous milestone, is what I'm trying to say is momentous because it's this is the 750th episode of the Magic Word Podcast. Yeah, that is, uh, uh, those are a lot of podcasts out there that we've been doing over the years. And I wouldn't have been doing this without all the support of all of you listeners and coming back week after week and listening. Thank you guys so very much. And for the suggestions you've given me as to some of the guests that you would like to hear me talk to, and I I've taken you up on many of those uh, requests, and uh, plus just people I have visited with uh, from around the world in different places, uh, locally and at magic conventions, and as I travel, and oh my goodness, you know, uh, magic is everywhere, and I hope that you realize that, and thank you for supporting us, thank you for coming back, as I said, and listening from week to week, it's 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 quite fulfilling to me. You don't really know how much this means to me to have this kind of uh, support in the magic community. So thank you, thank you. I want to give you 750 thank yous. <laughs> and I'm doing that this week with this special episode. I do want to also congratulate those people who have won the contest. We have been running a contest for the past couple of weeks, thanks to Charlie Randall, who has given us six copies of Nick Trost's Subtle Card Creations, number nine. This is his uh, final book in the series of the Nick Trost books, and I will announce those six winners on the backside of this podcast. Uh, we have had almost 100 people who have registered for this, and uh, of course we can only have six because that's how, uh, how many books we had available to give away. And so we'll announce those names on the backside of this podcast, and I want to say in advance congratulations to you winners, and uh, also thank you everyone who had entered the contest. And I hope to have more contests in the future because I hope to have at least another 750 episodes in the future to go as well. Well, in order to recognize this particular milestone, I always like to have someone uh, who will be will feature every 50 episodes that have contributed something to the community that uh, many of you know. It's a, if you will, a celebrated name. Let's say someone like uh, Paul Daniels, or whether it's been David Berkless or Max Maven, or Uri Geller, uh, so many different people, uh, Tom Mullica, others, I think. Uh, again, if you got to go back into the archives and see who we've had every 50th uh, for the past, I don't know, several hundred, uh, that I've tried to identify someone who I think you would like to hear from. Well, this week is no different. We're going to be talking with Luis de Matos, who has been heralded as the David Copperfield of Portugal. And I'm going to go into his uh, resume or his CV here shortly as I start to talk with him and give you some of the background. But he is someone many of you know and have um, 
perhaps seen perform, or if you've been at FISM, you have watched him uh, when he does his interviews with different people like Max Maven and, and Paul Daniels, as I just mentioned, so many others as well. And I've gotten to be good friends with Luis over the years. And when I asked him about coming onto the podcast and doing this, he gladly acquiesced and just said, I would be glad to help you in any way that I can, Scott. So I want to really thank him very much for taking the time that he did in Portugal in order for us to have recorded this conversation. So I want to thank uh, Luis in advance for, for doing that. So uh, without spending more time in telling you who he is, I'm just going to jump into it because we talk about it here shortly. So please welcome my guest on this 750th episode, Mr. Luis Damatos, here on The Magic Word. On this most auspicious occasion here, we are celebrating our 750th episode with the Magic uh, Word podcast, and uh, we're going to Portugal, where we're visiting with someone who the Portuguese press has termed a long time ago as being the David Copperfield of Portugal. He is uh, someone who's been uh, doing a little bit of everything from the standpoint of being on television, uh, as well as hosting his own show and uh, touring uh, the world, and um, he had something that was... It was pretty amazing when he had the Essential Magic Conference back in uh, 2010 that he made a commitment of doing this for three years. And uh, it was amazing. And we'll get into talking about that. And as a result, he actually received a fellowship uh, in 2013 from the Academy of Magical Arts. But prior to that, even in 1999, in recognition of him being the Magician of the Year, the Academy of Magical Arts gave him an award for that then as well. Again, he has done so much. And for those of you who have attended FISM, you no doubt have heard him over the years who has had his in-conversations with, and he's had uh, such luminaries like uh, uh, Paul Daniels and Max Maven and so many others uh, in the past that it's been just an amazing uh, career that he's had from one direction or another, that any one of which would have made any one person satisfied and happy for life just to stay in that position. But no, he does everything, including speaking, I think, eight separate language, different languages. It, it's amazing. So... <laughs> I could go on and on. I am just thankful that he's my friend and perhaps yours as well. Please welcome my guest today, Luis Tomatos. Hey there, Luis. How are you? Hi, Scott. How are you? Very good. Very happy, happy, happy to be here on this uh, uh, amazing uh, um, 705th edition of, yep. of the Magic World podcast. That's incredible. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, it Probably. is something that just, uh, you just keep on going. You know, that's, that's the thing. You always have to have something to look forward to uh, tomorrow. Is What is it you're going to be doing? You have to have goals. You have to have uh, something in mind that you just can't rest and look back and say, well, I've done that. Nope. What am I going to do? Not what have I done? And you've done so much and you've got to have a lot of things I know in mind and for the future that you're planning. I mean, I'm so thankful that you've taken a little bit of time here today to chat with us. So uh, I know you have things that you're working on. Well, it's always a pleasure to, to, to speak with you. It's also a pleasure to catch up uh, whenever we, we bump into each other on a, on the magic convention or a, or a FISM or something. Right. It's always great, and um, I think that thanks to thanks to your continued uh, passion and job and commitment to put out this the podcast, uh, I think you have um, enlightened many of our uh, friends and colleagues by by putting them up to speed. I don't know if I have much to say, but I'm sure that on the previous 749 
It was always very interesting conversations. <laughs> they all have been, every one of them have been uh, fascinating. And uh, this is going to be no different. I do want to go back a little bit. I had mentioned something about the Essential Magic Conference, and that is something that was unprecedented at the time. Uh, and who would have known that another 10 years from then that we'd be going into a COVID situation in which that we'd be in lockdown and people were really going to be embracing that type of technology that you kind of broke the ground for. For those who are not familiar with the EMC, uh, tell a little bit about that. Well, uh, we need to go back to 2009. And uh, back in 2009, I was nurturing this idea that uh, um, I have so many friends in magic and so many friends that that think a little bit uh, in the same roots that I do regarding um, the desire of giving back to magic because uh, magic uh, has, has, has given me a fantastic life um, of constant happiness and the constant uh, um, uh, overcoming difficulties and solving problems and meeting people and uh, with an achievement here and there. And, and that is, that is a, great thing and uh, I started uh, back then 2009 I started to get a little bit worried that uh, there was a new generation coming up that uh, was not going or will ever go um, to a magic gathering mm -hmm. and we learn so much when we go to magic gatherings we we, we can we can see uh, what the pros are talking uh, we can see amazing performances lectures all of that and 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 take advantage of something that is very uh, characteristic. It's a, it's a specific characteristic of our, um, of our of our world. I mean, I don't think that uh, um, is there an event in music where amateurs or newcomers can mingle with the big stars of the world. I don't think that is valid for architecture. I don't think that I don't think that's valid for music, for design, for dance, for any area. But in magic, uh, only takes uh, that you you take you, you make the decision of going to a magic convention, and it, it is very likely that you end up uh, uh, late hours in the evening uh, sitting at the same table. Of, of someone that is a big star in magic and uh, or or a very experienced pro or a very knowledgeable person uh, it does not need to be a star it can be someone that knows everything about a specific subject or has lots of advice to give um and and that can only be taken advantage by the new generations um when they go to magic gatherings well back in 2009 I start I gained consciousness of that and uh, at the same time, I wanted to uh, give back to magic. I, I realized that uh, uh, we had a studio and we could uh, we could host a, a magic convention here, or uh, we could start doing host basically a virtual magic convention, a cyber convention. Yeah, that was before the, the, the original idea was not that. The original idea was um, finding something that could be actually useful to show that desire and to actually make it happen to give something uh, to magic and I, I gave it a thought and uh, by then there was a new word um, which not many people knew what it meant I didn't knew what it meant I found out uh, and that the word was believe it or not streaming <laughs> uh, yes this was a new word yes. not mainstream 
back in 2009. Uh, so uh, I had this uh, idea of how about doing it uh, and, and streaming it live across the world. I shared the idea with uh, with my good friend David Britland. I shared the idea with my good friend Marco Tempest, and both of them immediately uh, had ideas to transform my simple, humble idea in something really amazing. And uh, so as as three got together and we start thinking that, well, if the young generation actually look, goes to YouTube um, to learn magic um, with all the dangers that that bring, because for me, the biggest problem of YouTube is that you can easily find the eight-year-old kid teaching um, second deal right. or teaching ambitious card. And mm -hmm. that's cute. That's cute. That's just cute. Uh, <laughs> a, bit, a bit pathetic, but cute. <laughs> but cute. Uh, well, but there's a problem inherent to that. And the problem is that other eight-year-old kids will find that video and uh, they will believe that that is the correct way for doing it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and they start rehearsing and maybe performing and all of that, never only realizing many years later that they have learned it wrongly. Um, so I said, okay, if, if new, the new generation do not go to magic conventions, maybe uh, the pros, the knowledgeable people can go to them on their own media, uh, which would be the internet. And that's, that was basically the, 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 the beginning of the idea. Uh, and yes, I, we promised to do it for three years. We did it for three years. Uh, I believe there it changed something in the world of magic. It changed the open possibilities. It was quite an ambitious project, so much so that more than a decade after, there was no event that ever came close to the Essential Magic Conference. Uh, and many and, and many tried, uh, amazing tries, uh, that, that, I mean, they, they, they get points for that. I mean, it's, it's great. Uh, but I believe the secret of that is that at that moment, the generosity of the speakers, the commitment of Marco Tempest, David Britton, myself and my team was so outstanding that uh, actually what was done was unheard of till then. And over more than a decade after, uh, we, we still are waiting to see uh, what is the event that will top that one. Well, I think you had a leg up on that, Luis, because you had a studio, as you'd mentioned, with a professional studio with great lighting, good sound, uh, and the way that it was all set up and with the streaming service that you had. If we would have tried this some years before, even five years before, I don't think we would have had the streaming capability uh, because of the bandwidth that people were not be able to get that into their house. Uh, there are, were, were and are forums where you can obviously type some messages in and leave messages for others but we actually have this in real time streaming and what was interesting is i think you guys started this probably around midnight or so portugal time so this way that the rest i say the rest of the world us over in the u.s were just waking up into this and and the way you had that set up with kind of a horseshoe shape and the different people that you had from eric mead to stan allen and and not just u.s people but i i was introduced to a lot of different ideas i'd never heard of before i didn't know there were magic um, not carnivals, what am I trying to say, but uh, events, 
I guess, through festivals in different cities. And there was a gentleman you had who talked about that. And that just opened my eyes to, to, to that kind of a thing, even though it's not popular in the U.S., it is in some countries over there and other kinds of things that, that people introduced us to internationally that we haven't seen nor heard of before and uh the speakers were just unrivaled and then that you also said and we're going to be having all this on a dvd so the participants can then have all of this recorded and that's part of your uh, registration price and that packet of three dvds i've got well i should say of three years is more than three dvds is one of my most precious uh, dvds in my collection i love it well the thing is that we try to combine uh speakers that were well-known from speakers that uh, people never saw before. I give you a name. Today is a household name in the world of magic. No one have heard of him before uh, the Essential Magic uh, Conference. Dani da Ortiz. Uh, <laughs> I'd forgotten that he was in that. Wow. Yeah. And he is yeah, pretty much a household magician, household name. <laughs> exactly. No one knew who was, I mean, some people knew, uh, but even in the room, there was, uh, I think... Uh, that I remember there was two people that knew him. How did you uh, select people? I mean, did were they friends of yours or someone you thought, okay, here's an up-and-comer, here's Danny, or someone did Juan Tamaris say, you know, I need to get this guy? Yeah, well, it, it was it was it was never from a friend's point of view. Um yeah. uh I it was always from a quality uh or or uh a re there was a reason. Um so so we either were friends with or we Found, we find out uh, where they live. Mm -hmm. uh, there were there were people. That I remember Devoe. Devoe, I met when he arrived. We never met before. I never saw his face, um, and uh, and and yet he was here. Um, so I think that the the spirit that was um, that existed among speakers uh, was amazing, and everybody was generous. No one was doing it for the money. And, and, and you talk about the studio and the lighting and the cameras, anyone can rent that. Uh, mm -hmm. what you cannot rent is passion because mm -hmm. even, even today, uh, I, I, some months ago, I, 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 I took part, I registered, uh, for a one day event similar to the essential magic conference only 10 years later. Um, it was one day, was the double of the price of any of the Essential Magic Conference. You were not allowed to record and you didn't get any DVD. And, uh, and uh, the, the excuse was, oh, because it's very important speakers. Well, the best speakers in the world uh, were the ones at the Essential Magic Conference. They were. At the time. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, that did not prevent anyone from uh, immediately... Uh, 25, 30 minutes after each session, it was immediate, immediately to able to watch it on demand. And then mm -hmm. two months later, they get it on DVD because the idea was not to sell anything. The idea was to inject passion, knowledge, and vision into the community. Uh, that's why we use these three words, learn, share, and collaborate. Because I, we thought back then, and we still think today, at least I still think today, that those are three things heavily missing on our community. Learn, share, and collaborate. Um, there is a tendency for learning not to be an attractive procedure, except uh, knowing how this trick is done. Okay, great. 
that's that's why there is the success of downloads mm-hmm. is because we cannot stand not to know how that trick is done. So we pay ten dollars. We'll never do it in our lives. That download will never work in any circumstance <laughs> because it only works on this angle for this camera. Uh, the a two-dimensional trailer, plane. Yeah, the, the 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 trailer is a big fat lie. Uh, much worse than instructions uh, back in the day, um, and uh, but we cannot afford. We we don't we can't stand not to know that secret. So that's the only learning part. When I say learning, is read a book, um, listen to an interview, uh, go see, go see shows outside magic. St- that for me is learning. Uh, then sharing, we need to share more. Uh, we should not be. Uh, uh, psychomaniacs about keeping secrets mm-hmm. um for me that is something that saddens me very much there are there are a group of smarty pants in the in the world of magic uh that they defend that secrets should be guarded from some people this should only be shared among some selected group higher echelon uh, of wizards or something yeah, I mean, it, it's it's so ridiculous. It, 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 mm-hmm. It's thanks to those smarty pants that magic does not evolve. Uh, also because that's probably the only way they are special. It's because they know something that no one else knows. And because they have no other way of feeling special, that's the, that's the, the big glory. I know this. Someone told this to me and I will take it to the grave. Um, and this always saddens me very much uh, when I hear this. And unfortunately, I hear this from I have I found people thinking like this in all ages. Um, uh, and and that for me that worries me because we should share. Um, and, I agree. Uh, and collaborate. I mean, it's the only way to learn. The way I think that uh, the, the reason why I think we are missing out is that there is there are records that tells us that the first magic show might have happened five thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a few years ago, a magician invented cinema. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, compared to five thousand years ago, correct. In the spans of time. Now, compare for a moment the progression curve of cinema since a couple of years ago it was created to the evolution curve of magic for the last five millenniums. Wow. I see where you're going. And, and then what happens is that the curve of evolution of magic, um, it's almost a parallel to the X of zeros. It's it's very low here. It didn't it didn't evolve that much. Um and uh we are doing the same tricks, uh stuff like that. Um well the evolution curve of cinema created by a magician called George Melies uh has been a, a exponential evolution. The reason being that it's a open it's a op, it's open source not everyone becomes a director not everyone is an actor not everybody knows about cinema but because it's open more people some of them very clever very creative might 
encounter the world of cinema. And therefore, the world of cinema will end up gaining the contributions of those clever, created, visionary people. Now, because as magicians, we hide behind the secret, mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't welcome people into our world. We are very secretive. And that becomes, that, that takes us to the most pathetic reality. And the pathetic reality is that we get applause not because we are talented. We get applause because we have a piece of information that the audience does not have. Well, that's a bit sad mm -hmm. because there are things in my life that I know and they are secrets for you, Scott. And I will not tell you the secrets. <laughs> some of them are very trivial. Um, some of them are very pathetic, like in magic. Uh, but the fact that I know that secret and you don't, that does not make you go into instantaneous applause because the fact that I have a piece of information should not translate into applause. Now, what I do with a little piece of information, that can be something that deserves applause. The same thing goes with a piano. Now, if I never saw a piano in my life and I see a virtuoso playing the piano, mm -hmm. I will not be amazed by the technique of the performer. I will say, wow, it's a wooden box and there are sounds coming out of the wooden box. I wonder how that wooden box works. Mm -hmm. I don't care about the guy. I mean, it's the box. Now, because I know how a piano works, there are keys and hammers and strings and a special shape. I know how it works. I know the secret of a piano. Every time I see an amazing performer using that equipment and creating an amazing uh, uh, music, playing an amazing music, my admiration, my applause goes to the performer. And in Not general... Not to the instrument. Exactly. And the only reason why um, uh, magic attracts mediocrity, it's because magic is the only art where you can lie about your talent, meaning you might have zero talent, <laughs> maybe negative talent, and still you are able to be known on your street as the magician. Maybe you are even able to charge Every time you do a show, maybe you are even invited to a dinner and talk about magic. And the only thing you have, it's the latest tenure trick and a thumb tape, mm -hmm. uh, which you don't even know which finger to use, what's the finger you should use. <laughs> right. And you are very concerned that the color does not match. Right. <laughs> but, but still, but still uh, you get applause. And the reason why you get applause, it's because the odds are against us. Look, if I am that magician, and if I do a trick well, the spectator will tell, oh my God, Louis did an amazing trick. And they will help my fame in that community. Might be the school, the street, the building, whatever. Now, if I do the same trick, and I flash, 
Mm-hmm. I will also get good reviews and the incredible publicity for the simple reason, because the spectator will describe it as such. Oh, Louis did an amazing trick. Of course, I pay lots of attention and I'm very clever. I know how he did it, but it was amazing. And they also build up my fame because the spectator will always, everyone will always tell a story where they look good. So the spectator will tell the story where he looks good, uh, explaining that, yeah, he, fla- he, he didn't flash. I, as a spectator, I am very clever. and I, I observed I, it. I, 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 obs- I, I could figure it out, but it's amazing. Also because the more amazing I describe that trick, the more amazing I'm going to look like because I figured it out. Uh, so we are playing with, with a rigged game. That's true, uh, but you're not necessarily advocating exposing something so this way people can then talk about it. Well, uh, it's I think exposing. It's it's uh, exposing. It's. Uh, I mean, you very... intentionally. In other words, you wouldn't be intentionally flashing to to encourage someone to be talking about it. No, no, no. But I will encourage people to share their secrets. Mm-hmm. I will encourage not to expose magic. But I will encourage to, in the right frame, in the right frame framework, share the secrets. Because other, because we don't share secrets, I am sure that somewhere in the world right now, someone just invented the double lift. I am sure. Since we start, since we start uh, uh, talking, someone invented the double lift. Why? Because there is not enough information that is accessible for other people to come and uh, and learn about this and and love it and and take care of it and and take it to the next step i i can give you an example how i like i like to share i think it's important to share secrets mm-hmm. if any spectator that comes to me and asks me to explain him how i did a certain trick Depending how he asked and what is the intention I see in that question, I will strongly consider to explain. Because if I notice that that question comes from a point of view that can somehow make him respect magic in a in 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 a, in, in, in a bigger way in the future, mm-hmm. I will find a way of not losing that opportunity. I will I will uh, vanish for three seconds. I'm not going. I'm just getting hold of something that is right there. Okay. okay. All right. I'm still here. I am still here. So I'm here. I'm here. Yes. All okay. right. So this is my latest book. Uh, it's called Livro dos Segredos, Book of Secrets, um, forward by David Copperfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think... Written this- in Spanish or is that available in English too? Uh, only Portuguese. Okay, Portuguese. Sorry. So the so I think this explains how I feel about sharing secrets. Um, so when I when I go to a bookshop and I see next to me a guy taking a magic book and going, "Uh huh, oh, I see. Hmm, interesting." Close the book, puts it back on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I get angry. Mm-hmm. Because this guy 
got access to secrets without respecting them. Because he didn't buy the book, he just realized it's a it's 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 a thread and a, and and it's a magnet. That's it. Right. Um, well, isn't that similar I, what you could do with YouTube? I mean, you can kind of trip across something because as you're going through some YouTube videos, sometimes you go down a hole and before long you've learned three or four things that you really didn't plan on learning. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my, my, my challenge was, how can I make this guy to see the book, grab the book, consider buying it, uh, but he will, till he buys it, he will not get exposed uh, he will not have access to the tricks, to the secrets. Uh, okay, uh, but I, I don't like books that are wrapped in cellophane because for me that is uh, a lack of respect for the buyer, uh, forcing me to judge the book by the cover. True. So I found a way. So this book, uh, when they open it, they can read the effects. Mm-hmm. So this is the there are 50 tricks here from any card to any number from professor's nightmare card in orange all amazing stuff yeah and it's being sold to the lay audience okay so re, not the not the not the old tricks that every magician puts on a book that is for the lay audience okay in this book there are amazing routines some of them, I still do them on my professional repertoire. It's all explained here. You can find it anywhere in Portugal. So the first half of this are the effects, and the last half are the explanations? No, there's just the effects. You so there are the no secrets explained. They are just... They are. But only when you buy the book, you access them. Okay. Is there uh -huh. a, a link, I, I guess, a QR code or... No, 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 no. That's that. That would be bad because that is just a a fashion of the moment. Mm, and true. how about in, in twenty years? I, I've thought about that frequently. I know what you mean. Yeah. No, that's just nah. Uh, this book can be sold in fifty years from now, mm -hmm. and and still on the on the um, uh, even pages you have interesting facts about the history of magic. It's not like a flip book, uh, is it? No. Okay, no. I thought maybe like short, uh, no. like a Sven pad or something. No, no. no. Uh, at the end, there is a DVD. Mm. Uh, I perform the 50 routines here, but I don't explain them. Okay. So if you, if you steal the DVD, you just see me performing. You see your show, yeah. There you go. Now, but the fact they see me performing, it's very important because... Sometimes we read we read things on books, and we say, "Ah, oh, there's no way this will. Uh, uh, no one will believe that, uh, that 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 this will actually fool anyone." Now, for the for the reader to see me performing those effects in front of a live audience, give, gives them the reassurance that the the illusion works, the technique works, and therefore they should invest time to. Uh, uh, rehearse and perfect it. Sure, of course. Uh, but once you buy the book, you are free to, to, to discover the tricks because each of this page, each of these 50 pages, it's not a normal page. 
It's a double uncut page. Oh, it's uncut. Yeah, now I see. Yes. And mm -hmm. the explanation and the pictures are all there. <laughs> so if so, you really want to know, you have to actually cut the book. Exactly. And of course, it comes with a, it comes with a, a marker. Mm -hmm. uh, so the marker, let's go for any card at any number. Okay. Uh, yeah, simple see, trick. Simple <laughs> trick. Uh, anyway, I'm not finding it. Oh, yeah. I can. Okay? I can, sure. Mm -hmm. Again. And there's the, the description. And if they want to learn this trick, what they need to know is they need to, this is the page, but now. Right. It's folded. You, mm -hmm. it, 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 it was made like this, the book. Very hard to make, but it was. And on the back of this marker, there is what seems to be an exacto knife. Mm -hmm. So when you come here. You just slide that between the two pages. Now this is the page. You see, and now you go, listen to the sound. And now you can learn the trick. It cuts it open perfectly. So interesting. So if you want to keep the secret, you can. But if you want to know the secret. Exactly. And, and it's very unlikely that uh, you will not get noticed if you go to a bookshop and you start ripping pages apart. <laughs> To find the secrets so the idea is people should have access to secrets as long as they respect them and as long as that they understand that the secret is just the beginning and if that is the case i believe that there will that there should be more uh learn and share and collaborate that's kind of like the underlying principle of my podcast is all about learning. I share, I want people to uh, to know more about this and to collaborate by talking with all the guests on here. So I think it's uh, very important. I'm, I, you can tell I'm with you 100%. From what you were talking about, a lot of those things obviously have to do with smaller tricks. I mean, close-up uh, types of things as opposed to larger illusions. So would you carry this to a larger arena, if you will, from the standpoint of those who are wanting to uh, I would use the word rip off someone else's illusion. Let's say someone wants to build an origami, but they don't have, they're not paying the rights to the person who, to, to Jim Steinmeier or anybody. So um, if someone comes to you and after a show and they say, I want to learn a secret about something big that you did, would you explain that trick? And what do you think about other people building someone else's illusion? Well, first, I would not explain that trick. It's not to me to explain it. Uh, it's not yours, yeah. It's not mine. That is the first thing. Uh, the second thing, I will strongly be against any sort of stealing, ripping off uh, people in general, and and especially uh, in general. But, but of course, in this case, someone that I admire, in your example, someone I admire so deeply as Jim Steinmeier. Um, and, and, and I'm so thankful and pleased and, and, and I think is, is the, the entire magic history should forever be thankful for his creations. Um, so that's not the case, but, but that I, I could answer that question. Like, uh, when, when you want to be a doctor, uh, you don't necessarily, uh, go to the, on, on the first class, you go to, uh, do your first surgery, uh, with a open heart. 
Um, mm. If you want to be a doctor, you start studying health. Um, the question is that uh, if people, on this metaphor, if people wanting to study health, um, they end up finding books that usually are PR stunts made for fame by famous people in their own countries that they decide to put a magic book out and uh, probably they will explain this trick, yes, mm -hmm. and they will explain the paper clips and the and the bill uh, and uh, the, the the rising card. That's what they will explain, mm -hmm. uh, and and that's why those tricks have been explained. No one needs to explain them anymore. There are enough books around the world for lay audience that explain those tricks. Um, so it, it's important to give to to give them a little bit of background in magic. Uh, and that's why the effects, it's just half of the book. Because, for example, uh, there are things, I, I collected interesting pieces of history or anecdotes that uh, are interesting for... Uh, the, the lay audience, for example. Of course, I talk about George Méliès being uh, the father of cinema. Cinema, right. Because also that's that's um, uh, uh, what what writes on his grave, which I have visited in, in the cemetery uh, Père Lachaise in Paris. It says the father of uh, uh, Le Spectacle Cinématographe. Of, of cinema as a show. I'm, I mean, forget the Lumiere brothers and the fact that they put the camera mm -hmm. and you see people moving outside the factory or a train going to... No, no. Right. George Mathias told stories um, right. and, and, and built sets and directed cameras and invented special effects. And uh, But for example, many magicians do not know that... That's not the only connection that the cinema... No, it's not the only thing that cinema owes uh, uh, to magic. The clapperboard, the simple clapperboard, right. was invented by a magician. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, news to me. Really? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Mr. Clacker. <laughs> so so the, the, the clapperboard uh, was invented by a magician. There were two things before the clapperboard. One was... Uh, invented by an Australian, um, not magician. They used two sticks, two pieces of wood, mm -hmm. and and they filmed themselves going like this, and with the noise. This was to synchronize the audio. Right, and there makes was, sense. And there was another thing invented by an American, which was holding a paper and telling what is the take and the name of the what they were filming. Oh, the cue cards. Yeah. And then came the magician. And the magician put the two things together. And then that day, he invented the clapperboard. And there's oh. a picture of him here. And uh, so the Australian that created, the, that used the two sticks, it was F.W. Thring, and was just two sticks. Uh, and then uh, the magician, Leon Leon, uh, born in 1903, died in 1998. Uh, he was uh, one of the first sound engineers of the cinematographic uh, industry, and he invented the clapperboard as we know it today. Well, this is just a piece of trivia, but in a way, frames magicians as problem solvers, frames magicians as people that actually advanced the history of the world in many ways. I mean, Charles Babbage is the inventor 
of the personal computer. Computer, right. Yeah, well, he invented after the magic show, inspired on a magic show. Hmm. So uh, let me get you the picture because this will make you smile. Um, so the, the what, what I find interesting on these stories is that effects... Um, They're not all necessarily related to magic, but they have to do with how our society is moving forward and how magicians are imperatively and intricately involved. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I'm trying to find, I will, I will not, I I could go to the index because we even put an index on this book. Uh, (laughs) I'm not pitching the book because no one can buy it. So that's fine. (laughs) And it's completely useless for anyone watching this show because it's in Portuguese, okay? So if this is not a book pitch, it's just to tell. It, it's a way of uh, of um, um, it's a way of expressing how I feel about opening the doors of magic to the world. Uh, so is here this is an... okay. The illusion that inspired computer. Oh, the Turk was the chess player. So mm-hmm. uh, Charles Babbage. In October of 1769, uh, he was, uh, uh, so wait, no, let me find here, Charles Babbage, okay. So uh, Charles Babbage, the inventor of the mechanical computer, was another one of the defeated by the Turk, okay? So, uh, and this was, it was in 1821. Uh, in 1821, uh, after he was seen defeated by the Turk for two times, that he was able to build the first mechanical computer. So, again, magic is triggering development, uh, is triggering evolution, um, is triggering solving problems. So let's let's stop being that secretive about this stuff. Uh, let's 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 open up to the world. So the world can respect us a little bit more um when they when they get when they come to see when they go to see a fantastic show the audience does not know if they should consider the magician incredibly talented or if was just a team member pressing a button Mm -hmm. why should they know how can they know without us telling I, i i believe that i i think it's important to um to keep the to to keep the mystery uh, but uh, i i have an example and i will not give too much away because i don't want to be accused that i'm giving secrets away okay although 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 i'm i'm talking about something i came up with so i'm fine it's yours right okay so i came up with this what is considered by some to be a new way of performing the floating ball a new rig, a new okay. method. Um, and uh, this, what I'm going to say, is is 100% truth with witnesses. Uh, so magicians, when they use threads and they perform on TV, very often they need to make take a decision. Do we do the lighting in order for the system to be absolutely invisible to the audience on the studio, in the studio, or do they worry about making it beautifully lit 
and yet deceiving for the audience at home. Hmm. Well, in case of that someone is thinking twice, let me put it this way. Do you want the illusion to work for 200 people or for 20 million people? Mm-hmm. Well, I will assume that whoever is watching the podcast will agree with me that it's more, it's more important that we make it look great for Larger 20, 20 million people. Now, still, I don't want to dismiss the audience in the studio. So, uh, I do a preparation, and the preparation is, I, I did it in three TV shows, one of them my TV show, the three TV shows were live broadcasted, uh, the three primetime TV. So, I know that we are going to live in half an hour, mm-hmm. the audience is sitting in the studio, I, 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 I just discreetly, I have my mic on, I'm not talking, I discreetly enter this, the, the stage, and I have a, a beautiful, big, quite big, fluffy marionette. Okay. In a corner of a, in a corner of a, of a stage, I'm playing to myself, uh, ignoring the audience. I'm playing to myself with the marionette, and I'm, I'm quite good with it. Okay. So I, it looks at me, and there's expression, and I play. We, we interact. Then we walk. And then eventually, after five or ten minutes, we are center stage. Again, I'm ignoring the audience. And the audience looks at me as if it's, uh, uh, well, the guy is preparing something for later or is just entertaining us, but uh, um, he's, he's not even performing it for us. He's just right. playing himself there. Right. There's a moment where I realize that um, the entire audience is looking at me and the marionette. Because, as I said, I'm not bad with it and they have nothing else to look at. They are just waiting for the show to start. True. And so there's a there's a grown-up man playing with a fluffy toy that seems to have life. Okay. okay. Right. So I am there to, 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 with the with the with the marionette and the strings and the stick and all of that. And there is one moment where I drop the wood, the marionette falls on the floor, and I strongly, ostensibly step on it and smash the head with my foot hmm. in that moment the three times happened like this the audience goes <gasps> right they gasp exactly david ritland was in one of these occasions and he describes it it was the same reaction as if you just came out and announced that the president of the republic died of a car accident that moment mm-hmm it was like <gasps> just a visceral reaction. Exactly. The moment they say that, they go, <gasps> and I, I know I have my mic on. Mm-hmm. I interject that reaction and I say, exactly. Look, later I will be doing something very similar to what you just saw. Mm. You realize that from the beginning, I was I was having this piece of fluffy cloth hanging from these strings, and I was manipulating it with a piece of wood, with a triangle of, with a cross mm-hmm. of wood. Right. Yet that did not prevent you of establishing a relationship with the puppet, and almost to a point that the moment that I smash its head, you had feelings for it. Mm-hmm. 
You forgot about the strings. You forgot about the piece of wood. You forgot about the fact that the, the puppet only had life because I was manipulating it. And you could isolate the puppet from me. Well, let me tell you, later in the show, I am going to do something very similar. You might see strings everywhere. You might see... It's not a puppet. It's a different object. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's going to be me and only me controlling it. Every move of that ball is going to be the result of my dexterity, mm. of my control. The same way that here with the puppet was me making it alive throughout these me mechanics right. the, and the stick. So... What I suggest is that when you see, and, and you will see many, lots of strings everywhere and me controlling them, well, try to forget about that and focus on the flying object and on the relation of that object with me. The three times I've done this live TV, standing ovation from the audience. Wow. They, saw the, they saw the entire system from beginning to end. Wow. So it is possible. I'm not saying that this is valid for everything. What I'm saying is that there are cases, and we should all think about those, where the fact that the audience knows a little bit of what's happening, it might increase the admiration and might, in a way, just justify a more honest applause and not an applause on cue. So a little bit of knowledge is good in giving them that up front, certainly. Yeah. Plus, I'm sure they were acknowledging your skill in handling all of that. I mean, even after you had explained that and you're thinking, they're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he's, he's able to yeah. handle all that. So it, it's almost but, a dual reality. But remember that if I, I, if, if I would have not done this introduction, I was leaving space for them to be the smarty pants. Right. Oh, I see. I go, see. Oh, look. Can yeah. There. Ah, oh. <laughs> easy and threads. So you take that punch out of there to begin with by doing that yeah. to begin with. So that so it's like, hey, I, you know what's happening. Yeah. Huh. I, I love the thinking on that and also about how they're talking about magic being, you know, 5,000 years old and how that really has not progressed because we haven't been learning and sharing and collaborating. Uh, we've been holding these secrets. I was thinking it's also uh, something a Penn and Teller had talked about uh, time and time again about, where they say, look at the pretty box. And that's really not what people should be looking at. And there should be an emotional involvement that people have with the what, what you're doing, not the trick, but the presentation, I guess. And too often we as magicians are wrapped up in the methodology and it's like mm -hmm. the cleverness of that. And I want to keep that a secret from the public. Whereas you mentioned, you mentioned the amazing pen and teller and look, let's go to the floating ball that, that, uh, yeah, teller, that teller does. does. Beautiful. Oh, ben, my yeah. And bluntly says at the beginning, yep. the next piece of magic is done with a thread, mm -hmm. a ball and a piece of thread. That's it. So that does that does not prevent any lay audience or any knowledgeable magician in the world to uh, be absolutely amazed with what uh, what Teller does in that moment with, with in that routine. Um, I think secrets are overrated. 
mm-hmm. uh, especially because in society in general, the tendency is that uh, there are no secrets. If you want to learn about something, you you learn about something. So the fact that there is no secrets, um, we are the old-fashioned guys. We didn't mm-hmm. fi- we did not evolved in a way that would allow people to still give us love, still give us admiration, the moment that we do not depend on a piece of information, they have no idea, no access. I think that's it's very sad when the only reason you get applause for is because you know a piece of information that they don't. I recall uh, Valentino as the mass magician explanation about why he was exposing things saying these are antiquated methodologies and i want to move magic forward if i expose these magicians won't use those methods they will be forced to create something new does that sound like a valid argument no Uh, because because i don't take valid arguments from thieves uh and he is just a crook and a thief Mm -hmm. uh that uh, uh he, he used the secrets that that he didn't have the right to use. Correct to make to make a terrible show, mm-hmm. uh, to to cheapen the art, and uh, and he doesn't he doesn't even have the knowledge or the authority, and he was exposed in a in a very cheap, uh, frivolous, and respectful way. I mean, the way I think that secret should be available is not to mainstream on a TV show by someone that is hiding the face and is explaining tricks that they did not mm-hmm. is not entitled to. So nothing will ever defend, not nothing will ever make me think good about the masked magician. Right. Um I I I at all. Um what I talk about is something different. What I talk about is uh look at look at the the magazine that uh, the series of magazine, I think only five, which are now coming in a book that Richard Wiseman did called Ocus Pocus. Uh, he was talking about secrets and methodology uh, in a very subtle way, uh, but somehow the lay audience would read that and they would respect more uh magic and the history of magic so sometimes it's not it might not be just saying oh look it's done with a mirror this will not make people respect us more mm-hmm. but maybe the research uh the thinking behind uh the evolution the detail uh i mean there's so many things there's so many things that if we allow uh the audience to have access I believe they will admire us more. I think they will they will distinguish the guy uh, that does the, the the tenure trick, even saying that he invented it, uh, because that's another thing. Uh, it's very easy in the magic world for anyone to buy the latest thing on the dealer's room. True. The next day. He's sharing it with the with the friends, right? Saying here is something I invented. Mm. It's it, it and 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 no one no one uh, no one dares to show the piano and say here is something I invented the piano. 
everybody laughs at the guy if he says that. Sure. Here is my laptop that I invented. No, but if in many things that you could buy today on a dealer's room uh, or or read in a book, because there is not no knowledge about or no place to search about it, um, many of us can say, "Yeah, I invented this." And actually, some of us say that. And some of us even believe that, which is even more sad. <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah. So say it so often that we believe it then ourselves. Kind of along that line, do you encourage or discourage people from videoing your show during the show or taking photos or anything? I mean, different magicians have different opinions on that, and I'm wondering if because some don't want their video being put out on YouTube where people can dissect it and everything, then later uh, and exposing a secret. So, what are your thoughts I- on that? I, I I am totally against filming during a live show. Mm-hmm. And it's not because people figuring out tricks or... No, it's not because of that. It's because that moment, that piece was created to be enjoyed inside the theater. Mm-hmm. Well, I have done the same piece on a live show and on TV. And the way you present those pieces are fundamentally different. Hmm. So when I'm doing on a live show, I it's everything is done for the enjoyment and the experience to be 100% for the human eye, whatever you are seated. Not is not the same thing to to record it and then take it out of context. Right. So it it for me is like uh, comparing the deluxe version with hardcover and uh, box and uh, uh, all of that of a book. Compare that and say, oh yeah, but if I xerox it, if I take photocopies, is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, the moment you video it that the the metaphor the compare that is the same thing as a xerox of a deluxe version of a book i see um, so that's why i am completely against and i will go to to a, a, a to extreme lengths to avoid filming during a live show I think also a lot of magicians will say, well, some magicians I've uh, spoken to say they don't want people to record because it takes away from the uh, the focus of the moment. In other words, you're watching the show through the lens of your camera or your phone or whatever, um, and also taking away some of the enjoyment of people seated around you because of the brightness of the screen or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And you kind of miss something because you're looking to make sure that you got the picture right or something and, and missing what's happening. So you, you're missing the moments that are important yeah. in the overall presentation of that. So that's another reason I think uh, they don't want people to, um, to, to be taking something. On the other hand, I've heard some people say you can take all the pictures and video you want for the first 10 minutes. And then after that, put it away because we want you to enjoy the show. But if you want to uh, tweet about this and post on Instagram, that's fine. I encourage you because that helps my social media, but uh, you know, just do it for the first part and then, and then put it away. I mean, I, 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 have, I, I, I don't judge anyone. Uh, Nor do I, I'm just, Pointing out some people have different that. opinions. I just was asking yours. I don't, yeah. I don't do that. I don't do that because, uh, uh, in a way, what I feel is that, oh yeah, so you want me, you, you you want to forbid me to film it, but but you want me to film it 
as long as I share it and only the part you want. No. <laughs> I so, see your point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and look at it that way. Yeah. yeah. They already paid. They paid the ticket to be there. They don't need to pay with, with work. Yeah. So if they, if they <laughs> to do the work for it, you. <laughs> yeah. If they want to share, there's many ways of, uh, if they want to share the love for the show, there are many ways they can share the love for the show. And uh, in my case, filming the show, it's not one of them. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up over here, I thank you very much for showing your love for this show and, and being on this uh, broadcast there with me then as well. And for being my friend for so many years, I do look forward to seeing you and and hearing you when you have your in conversations at VISM and other places. Um, so uh, as we start to close, two quick things. Uh, is there some place where people can see you? Again, I know you can tour a lot through Europe. Do you have some tours coming up where people might be able to uh, to see you perform? And how can they follow you then, speaking of social media? Okay. Yeah. Well, they can find me on they can find me on Instagram basically uh, because I was unfortunate uh, with the Facebook uh, a year and two months a year December last year December twenty twenty one December twenty twenty one Facebook uh, which is a terrible company by the way um, because you cannot talk to anyone. Um, True. and no one takes care of you. Even mm-hmm. if I had, I had 262,000 and something followers. Wow. I have been on Facebook since the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was an advertiser on Facebook because we use it as a tool, uh, to promote, uh, uh, our shows. Sure. Um, and from one day to the other, I was banned. Uh, I still don't know why I haven't wow. done anything wrong, and uh, and and so all my pages, including my main page of those two hundred sixty thousand plus two hundred sixty two hundred sixty thousand plus, um, I lost contact. So best way is uh, Facebook website. Um, I mean I'm around. Uh, and um, yeah, if you if you hear about the show, I'm involved with. Come see it. I hope you like it. And and for those of you that uh, throughout uh, this conversation between us two, um, they they gave us the pleasure of be, being listening to us and mm-hmm. the outrageous thoughts that I decided to share here. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm so flattered. Thank you. I I I want. I know that some of them, maybe most part of them, might have been very shocked and maybe cringed a little bit and and totally disagree of of uh, of, of my opinion. That's fine. Whenever you are invited by Scott, you tell your opinion. Exactly. This right. was my time. Okay. Right. Uh, and also, uh, my opinion. I, I don't share it, hoping that first. That is absolutely 100% correct. It happens to be what I think today uh, in February uh, of, of, of uh, uh, 2023. Uh, maybe in two months from now, I think differently. I think the the cleverest man is the one that changed opinion more times during the life because the one that didn't change opinion means he learned nothing. Um, and that this is what I think at this moment I, I shared with open heart uh i would love to listen the contraire uh and 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 i always want to learn because i believe it's very good to learn to share 
and to collaborate. Well, I think you kind of answered my next and final question. That was about because it's called uh, the Magic Word Podcast. I always like to ask my guests, what is your phrase? What is it that is your mantra? What do you live by? What's most important in your life? And perhaps that you... Well, that that could do. Uh, I I can say something else, which actually... I honestly believe I always do each show as it is the last show I'm going to do in my life. Hmm. Um, First of all, because one day it will be. And the second thing is because I honestly believe that my biggest competition, it's my last show. Hmm. Um, So if, if I do this one as my last one, the one I'm doing tomorrow after tomorrow, if I do it as the last one, is my last change of being a little bit better than the one I did previously, and um, and 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 that is something that uh, makes me happy and motivates me, and um, I, I I strongly believe that um, we have we are incredibly privileged in having the life uh, that we we have. We do, and, we uh, and, and and the other thing is that, as a friend of mine says, even when we fail, come on, it's not brain surgery. No <laughs> one's going to die. Right. That's right. Yeah. Do every show as if it's your last. That's right. And love your audience. That's great. Well, thank you, man. I love you. This has been uh, fantastic. I appreciate you sharing all of your thoughts here then as well. And uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. So uh, if this was the episode 750, I think uh, we could do it again on episode 1,500. Why not? I I think kind of revisit and see where we are and how our lives have changed and how your opinions may have changed or remain the same and gotten stronger. You know, the older you get, you know, like me, it's like, oh, you know, you're an old man and you're, you know, fixed in your way, (laughs) your opinions. and, And that would be good because that means that we would still be here. That's by the bottom line, and I hope we are. Uh, thank you very much, Luis. This has been great. So for the Magic Word Podcast, and from Portugal, that was my friend Luis Damatos. This is Scotty out. Wow. So many great thoughts there. Thank you so much, Luis. Uh, this has been eye-opening and just very delightful to spend a little bit of time with you here in conversation with. <laughs> Normally, you have your in conversations with at FISM, and I'm glad I had my conversation with you here for this episode, this momentous episode of 750. So again, thank you very much for joining me, and I'm sure the listeners got a lot out of that as well. And it's something I think could be well worth re-listening. So uh, make sure for those of you who have listened that you put this in your archive so you can go back and listen to this again then sometime in the future. Uh, Again, I want to thank you, the listener, for coming back week after week and listening. One way you can really help this podcast is by going to whatever platform you use to listen to the podcast and giving it a five-star rating and uh, uh, some sort of a nice comment if you can. I was looking recently at the iTunes uh, listing, and although we 
we have nearly 150 comments or ratings. We haven't had any ratings since 2022, so it's been well over six months, I think, uh, since we have uh, last had any kind of a uh, comment or rating. So if you can go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and some sort of a nice glowing comment that will help our podcast to grow because we will be seen by more people on their feed and perhaps uh, help us to grow. Well, speaking of being thankful, I want to again thank everyone who had entered the uh, contest. And now it's the time in order to give you the names of those winners. And the winners are Robert Daedris, Peter McLonigan, Brad Sasser, Carrie Schmelzer, Andy Lackey, and Chris Wilcox. Congratulations to the winners, and your books will be going out shortly. Well, I think it's about time to wrap this up because we're going to be heading off to another magic convention, and you'll be hearing some daily reports coming up very shortly, perhaps tomorrow, in fact, from another convention that I'm going to be attending, which is the Senior Tour in St. Louis, Missouri. And then following that, there will be next week, we'll be going to Fector's uh, Finger Flicking Frolic. That's the Obie's 4F convention. So that'll be coming up then uh, next week. And then after that will be Monty, which is on the heels of the 4F. So just a lot of conventions coming up, plus, of course, some other episodes that I've got with individuals that I've already got uh, ready, as well as some I know that we'll be talking to at these conventions over the next uh, few weeks then as well. So continue to come back and uh, listen to us, and uh, as we hopefully we'll get together with Luis for episode 1500. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. So until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember to perform every one of your shows as if it's going to be your last. This is Scotty out. <laughs>